Hello, my name's Elton and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, the community where we discuss everything that is Fulham. Come and join me and my sons, Jack and Sam, as we discuss, debate and arm wrestle everything about our wonderful football club. We're now also streaming live on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook and Twitch. We really hope you'll enjoy the next episode. So without any further delay, over to you, Jack. Welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from Down Under. We are back after a little break to talk all things Fulham. Tis the silly season. Summer is here and transfer rumours are flying around like it's no one's business. And we're here to cover all the ridiculous news we've heard so far and some of the actual truths as well. So here to discuss it all, we have returning again for the first time in, it's been a couple of months, I think almost. Uh, Elton, how are we going? Oh, very well, thanks, and uh, happy to say that uh, this is scheduled beautifully between too many sicknesses. Too many sicknesses? Scheduled scheduled beautifully between dinner and bedtime, I thought you were going for. Um, Well, no, let's not forget, (laughs) it's winter where we live, and uh, I'm just sick of constant illnesses. What are you ill with? (laughs) Grandchildren colds. And also joining us tonight, we have Sammy. How are we going, Sams? I'm lightly ill, but that's just more due to inflation, cost of living, and minimal sleep. And I'm very good, you know? Let's keep it topical. There's lots to talk about. Um, no, I'm doing great. I'm actually, I'm actually really happy to be back. <laughs> like, it's nice to just... Be back at Fulham Land again. How good is it? Uh, there's a there's a hole in my heart when we can't do this. Yeah, it's um it's yeah. been both great to have a bit of a break, but also, uh, like you said, you've you missed talking about Fulham after a long time. But there's look, there's been a lot of Fulham news floating around. Uh, I almost had to mute Twitter at one point because it was just driving me absolutely bonkers. The amount of stuff that was being rumoured um and just going back and forth within the space of 24 hours someone's leaving someone's staying uh the the whole willian saga where he was having a a medical at nottingham forest and then six hours later he's on cabana uh, not cabana on, on um, bobby reed's uh snapchat story training at the club again so it's just been a it's just been hectic yeah, um, i checked out i emotionally checked and- out a while ago <laughs> Yeah, look, I think Dad and I both checked into the to the ashes for a little while, uh, which gave us a bit of a change of scenery and a bit of change of sport for for the winter months. But um, look, Fulham's back now, so let's get stuck straight into it. At the moment, we've got the uh, summer series happening over in the US, and Fulham kicked off their preseason with a win against our rivals, and 
guys, uh, I, I think you've both watched the game or at least watched the highlights. Um, Dad, I'll throw to you first. Just we'll, we'll make a quick comment on it because I, I never like talking too much about preseason games because really preseason doesn't mean a huge amount. It's all about getting, you know, miles and legs rather than the actual results. But usually in preseason games, we don't see as strong a lineup as Fulham actually put out against Brentford. Were you sort of surprised to see kind of what I'd expect us to come out with in our first game of the season against Everton? Well, I mean, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, I think it was um, a, a reasonably good lineup, but there were some notables missing, like, um, you know, a, um, a sort of acceptable standard Premier League striker was missing. Sorry, Munez. No An offense. undisclosed Serbian. Um, and, and obviously Pereira is a big miss for me. But and other Tim than Ray. that... And, Tim Ream and a bit of a interesting um, bat line. And um, yeah, look, it, it wasn't bad. I, I, I actually thought that it was a very breezy and um, kind of up-tempo event. There's a lot happening in American soccer or football at the moment. And I thought it kind of captured all of that, you know, with the whole messy thing and a lot of excitement about, everything that's happening in uh, major league soccer. Mm. I love Sammy. Have you answers? I miss them so much. <laughs> Sammy, have you managed to have a watch of the highlights yet? Yeah, no, I have. And I also want to um, speak to the community and say, sometimes life gets in the way and it's okay to watch highlights. Sometimes it doesn't make you any less <laughs> of a fan. Sometimes, sometimes you just need to watch the highlights and that's okay. It all contributes to the numbers. Uh, no, I actually thought it was a really good day out. Uh, oh, God, I sound like a gross pundit. Um, I, I thought it was a really good day out for just football in America because, like, it was, it, was, it was a really fun game. I mean, any game where there's more than, like, two goals is pretty fun. Like, thought it was a really, really good introduction to the sport, at least, to the U.S. because it's slowly building. It's becoming a lot more of a thing. Obviously, with um, some big name players um, going over there, but the more it can be sold over there, um, the better. And I mean, if you're going, if you're going to sell Fulham, I don't think you can really sell us better than the game that we actually played. Yeah, look, it was it was a really exciting game. It's um, it's great to see as well. I think I saw a stat that the last three games between Fulham and Brentford have seen 15 goals scored with, you know, three, two score lines to the home team in this instance uh, in every single one of those games. So you're guaranteed an exciting game at the moment. And look, both Brentford and Fulham going into that game without their recognised star striker, both for completely different reasons. But um, I, I think it was a really solid pre-season performance, a really good run out. It was great to see Harry Wilson looking really confident. It was all down to the bleached hair, I'm sure. Um, Told you a really all he needs good, is a haircut. <laughs> a really good finish from Bobby Reed as well, um, cutting in from the left and and finishing really nicely in the bottom corner. Have to say the Brentford keeper looked pretty average, and I don't know if you guys spotted it if you watched the whole game. I think you might have done, Dad. Um, but there was one point uh, the Brentford midfielders sort of turned to each other, and um, one of them said to the other, and it was very obvious. Um, obviously picked up with a little bit of simple lip reading. Geez, the keeper's shit. Um, 
<laughs> that was after you let in Bobby Reed's um, pea shooter from the 35 yards dribbling along the floor. Which, in all um, fairness, then... I love Bobby Reed, but fair assessment. Oh, look, it wasn't the best strike. He put it in the back of the net, though. It was fine. Um, and then, uh, you know, after halftime, Vinicius came off the bench and replaced Muniz. I, I thought Muniz didn't have a terrible game, but he's obviously not mm. um, not quite there yet. We have to remember he's still very young too. But Vinicius coming off the bench and scoring two minutes into the second half with a really well-taken finish as well, I have to say. Um, uh, I thought it was a good performance from Fulham. Jack, I, I as think well, what's, you've what's finally got... Sorry. Go on, sorry, uh, sir. We're, we're... We're back to this. It's great. Um, uh, uh, Jack, you finally got your wish. We finally got to see some young boys out on the pitch as well. Like you, what you've been gagging for all of last season. I, I'd really like you to rephrase that, Sam. <laughs> I finally got my Jack wish to see loves some young the young boys. boys. The young boys. <laughs> Jack was he was salivating for the young boys that came out and played all, all well, in I'll, their, all I'll in their highlight- little shorts. I'll highlight Colm's uh, comment on our YouTube live stream here. How good did Luke Def- – I'm going to mess up the pronunciation of his name. I don't know if anyone can correct me. Luke DeFugarols. But, Fugarols. I mean, he he looked world-class. and Yeah, he, he I was mean, fantastic. It might be a bit of an exaggeration, world-class. We only saw him for 20, 30 minutes. But he looked really composed on the ball. He, he did, not look, did not look out of place in that back line. And look, I, I think we'll talk about some of the signings that have been rumoured to be coming in later, but if we had to go into the season with, with him as a backup centre-back, I wouldn't be feeling too bad about it. I'd like to see him get more minutes after that performance. 100%. I, I completely agree, Jack. Completely agree with you. And look, as as Black, White and Fred says here on our live stream as well, he is normally a right-back but he, he really looked very comfortable playing at the, on that right side of the center, central defensive partnership. So there was a few players out of position there. You know, um, Diop would probably like to be on the right side a little bit more. Ream would be playing on that left side. We had Polina come off injured. It, it wasn't the best um, warm-up, I guess, for, for getting those guys positionally correct because I think... At one point, Mbabu may have been playing centre-back for a little bit. Tete definitely played centre-back for, for a yeah. short amount of time. Um, so it was it was pushed around a bit, but I think we actually coped with it really well. We started superbly. We, we put Brentford under pressure. We played through their press really nicely. We did concede a couple of goals. I thought the first goal was just general sloppiness from a corner, leaving a man unmarked. And um, sorry, that was the first goal. The second goal... Um, a fairly well-worked move. Again, a bit of sloppiness. We scored in the 47th minute. They scored within 60 seconds. Um, and look, that's what you get out of preseason football. And that's sort of what you're looking to avoid as well um, going forward. So it's lessons learned. It's good lessons learned. Um, and look, I think we, we roll on effectively from there into the rest of the games in the US before we come back and play a couple more games before the season starts proper. And it's it's really close now. I think we're only... Three weeks away three. from the first yeah. game, or two, two and a half three. weeks, um, yeah. which is kind of crazy. Um, Colm is giving us the correct pronunciation of Luke de Fogerol. Yeah, Fogerol. I'm, I'm all about it. Trust me, I think we're all going to be learning that name over the next season or two because he, can, he looks can a I real just talent. Say something about him, Jack, that I thought was really interesting. You, you know, you're saying, oh, I'd like to see a bit more of him. The confidence was outlandish. 
the way mm. he took the ball, ran around people. And what I thought was really telling is within oh, within five minutes of him being on the pitch, not only was he screaming for the ball, but people were very happy to share it with him. And, you, yeah. you know, if, if you, you see that with guys who come on the pitch um, who aren't proven, they very, very quickly just don't get the ball. The, yeah, the, the whole team just bypasses them. And they were like, whoa, where does this guy come from? He is very, very confident. He looked great. He looked really exciting. And as you said, I would not be unhappy, um, you know, if if he ended up being our backup and we didn't sign a more experienced player. It does raise the question of why we ever bought him Babu, but there you go. Well, I, I think it's, it's one of those things as well where um, – you can put it down to the success of our under-21s over the last couple of years, the fact that they, they've they won a lot of games, they've been really successful, the under-18s too. They're, they're right at the very peak of, of youth football in, in England. And it gives those guys those confidence. They're playing with great players around them. They're winning games every week. Um, they've been winning trophies as well in and around that. So these, these are top-class talents, and we, we've always had a bit of a problem, I think, pushing players through from the youth team into the first team. And so mm. it's nice to see some of these guys get a bit of a chance in preseason. And, you know, managers would be saying to these young guys, go out there, impress, this is your opportunity, take it. Because this is when talents are, are uncovered. I remember Sessegnon playing in preseason and thinking, geez, this guy's a talent. He'll be in the first team. And he was in the first team not long after that. And this is how you get yourself inside the manager's mm. plans. He would have been training with the first team over the last year or so anyway. But you go out onto the pitch and you actually do it alongside those players. It, it makes a – it's a statement. And I really hope that um, Silver definitely takes that forward and and uh, we see some more of some of those youngsters, but especially – I'm just going to call him Luke just to save myself being embarrassed over and over again. No, go for the I think it's not, it would not be unfair to say that whilst I thought Stansfield looked okay, um, and even Harris, you know, didn't look, he doesn't, he's not out of place at all. He's fine. The he's other fine. guys, mm. no, the other guys, um, you know, did the, but I, I think of all the young kids, including the names of Stansfield and Harris, who, uh, you know, there's people think a lot of those two guys. I, I thought mm. he outshone them. I thought yeah, he outshone I, them. I agree. I mean, I'm just really excited to say roll as much as I possibly can. So if that's not to get, if that's not enough to get him on the bench, I don't know what is. <laughs> also, who is that bloke at he, left back? I'm um, in like the like uh, in like the later stage. He was massive. He's a massive big boy. Who is he? I can't. I can't remember his name. Is it um, African sounding name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, yeah. Um, I'm not not 100 percent sure who it was. He came off the bench. He had a lot of changes towards the end, and I got a bit confused yeah. as to who was coming on and who was coming off. But um, oh, big boy, look, a, a I want to see more of him. A good result, too, and I'm really looking young. forward to to the next game. We'll cover off on the upcoming fixtures a little bit later. Let's um jump on forward though, and. Have a look at some of the news that's happened over the last couple of months, really, and and some of the big headlines. Um, so first one of these, Marco rejects the Saudis. Obviously, we know that Silva's only got a year left on his contract. He is still the Fulham manager. He's still contracted to Fulham. But we understand he received a pretty incredible offer of €40 million Euro, Euros or pounds. I can't remember exactly what it was, but... Um, 
40 million over the course of two seasons, so 20 million a season, four, five hundred thousand pounds a week, roughly. And Marco's turned that down to stay at Fulham. Um, Dad, I'll, I'll just start with you. It was a bit of a saga. We've obviously been waiting for months and months, even before I think about halfway through the season. Uh, we were really hoping that we were going to hear news of Marco signing a new contract. It's been put off multiple times and we haven't got any news. And then the Saudis are coming in. How does it feel now that we've got a little bit more clarity, even though we don't know what the future actually holds? At least Marco has rejected what seems like an offer you can't refuse. Well, I, I, I tend to believe it. I mean, I not, not from what I've read in the press and on Twitter, but I tend to believe um, what he said in his uh, presser. And I, I think what it, it tells a story of, I guess, players have a much more condensed career. I mean, whether they, you know, 28, 30, 32, 35, if you're lucky, um, it's maybe 10 years at the top level. But managers have much, much more time. And maybe mm. Silver's not only he's, – he's clearly very ambitious. Maybe he's thinking the Saudis are always going to be there. And if I'm a champion, Champions League manager, whether I do that with Fulham or someone else, that's going to be an big, even bigger payday. So why go now? Nail on the head. Couldn't agree more. I, th- I think as well, like, um, I think Marco is very much building – like, really rebuilding his reputation – and I feel that it does jeopardize their reputation that he's currently got. That's re- like his stock is just rising and rising. And yeah, I think he I think he will go for a payday at some point. But I think he is really dead set on um, uh, it's like if he if it were to be honest, I get way more stressed when other Premier League clubs are like looking at him way more so than the Saudis club. Um, mm. Because like I feel that the Saudis are inevitable. They they will get him at some point, but they'll get everybody at some point. Like yeah, so it's it's just that's just that's just the dirty capitalism way that the game's going. But I think oh, I think I think we're good for now. Oh yeah, uh, no, no, I, we got time. <laughs> we got time. Uh, I I think it's it's different for players and compared to managers. I think a player, if you're at the very top end, it kind of almost doesn't matter where you play. Like Messi's still going to get picked for Argentina, even though he's playing it into Miami. Ronaldo's still going to get picked. Um, Benzema's still going to get picked for France. Kante's still going to get picked for France. These guys are are top-class talents, and they're going and playing in a slightly average league, but they're still at the very top of their game. I feel like for a manager, it's it's quite different. I, I totally understand if you're a manager and you've recently been sacked, you're without a club, and the Saudis come in for you and say, hey, how do you feel about coming over and managing Ronaldo, Firmino, Conte, Benzema, all these ridiculous players? I-, I can understand why they'd accept it. I don't know how many managers have actually been poached by the Saudis so far. Mm, I know a lot of yeah. players have been poached, but I don't think many managers were in a managerial role at a decent club in the first place and then have moved across to the Saudi Pro League. Uh, I think the players are obviously motivated by money. And I also have to say, I totally understand that. I totally understand any player who makes a decision to go over and get 10 times their way, current wage for a couple of years. I mean, if if you put it into simple terms, if if I got offered 10 times what I was currently earning to go and spend two years working in Saudi Arabia... I think my wife would kill me if I said no. 
because mm. that is the kind of thing that gets you ahead very quickly in life. And admittedly, these guys already earn very good money. But this, this, and I saw someone on Twitter mentioning it. I can't remember who it was, but it, it actually is generational wealth at that point when you go over and can earn forty million and put that in the bank for your children and your children's children and your children's children's well, children on top of that. On top, oh, yeah. and on top of and on top of that, 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 it's in whatever Mark is earning at Fulham, call it five million pounds a year. Um, you know, half of that after tax, and in Saudi, mm. it's tax free. So it's yeah. even bigger. You know, it's yeah. even bigger. Um, so I, I will, I will yeah. never slate a player for doing it and taking that leap and deciding to go over and do it. I'm, I'm more disappointed in the way some players have gone about it, and we'll touch on that a little bit later. I was yeah, going to say, I might. Your next slide. <laughs> your next slide. Well, it's not my next yeah. slide, but it really it is a slide. I thought we were going to do more of a crescendo to like the main meat and grit, but it sounds like oh, we it's just right, it's right, right at the very it. end. Don't worry, it's right at the very oh. end for when oh. I've finished this beer. That's why. Um, yeah, fair enough. But look, I, I like I said, I, I totally understand it, and I think a lot of a lot of plaudits have to go to Marco for the decision he's made. He's made a decision not uh, not financially based around his future. He's actually made a decision based on his legacy and his career as a manager going forward. And he'll be remembered as someone who turned down that money and he'll be remembered as someone who made a decision to spend a lot longer building up a reputation. And look, when he turns, I mean, he's still young. He's, I'm, I'm yeah, guessing he's, he's in his forties. I can't remember exactly how old he is. Um, when he's in his sixties, by all means, go and spend five years in Saudi when you've done everything you want to do. But I don't think as a manager, you should be going out there before your career is through. I also think as well with managers, they really do seem to get on runs with certain clubs and some managers can bounce from clubs to clubs to clubs and be pretty successful. But for people like Marco, um, he's on the run of his life right now at Fulham and we're we're all stoked about it. So to pump the brakes on that, it really wouldn't be in his best long term interest. And I feel like he knows that. I feel like he's smart enough to be around that as a long-term thing. I don't know. But as a follow-on yep. to my first point, he, he he's, we're very grateful that he's rejected it, but he, he's in a position to be able to reject it. It's not an apples to apples yeah, comparison totally. to Mitro, who has got, you know, a very small number of years left on his career. The opportunity has come up. It may not be there next year. He's got to grab it. No question about it. It's big, big, big money. Marco, he could literally do this in 10 years' time. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And demand um, a lot more if he's more successful. Yeah. So, look, Steve I, I Bruce, think on it's, the other hand. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's great to see that he's rejected that, and I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that uh, Tony Khan was over in the US. We know that Tony held talks with Marco, and we, we saw how important it was for Marco to um, have Willian renew his contract, that seemed to get done. Um, and then when all of this was happening and the, the money was being thrown in front of Marco, that's when the transfer rumours really started to heat up and we were talking about players that are, are genuinely seem like a very high chance of signing. And I think a lot of that actually has come down to the conversation that Marco had with Tony Khan saying, if you want me to sign a new contract, this is what I need. Otherwise, this isn't going to work. 
and we we definitely saw it ramp up a little bit after Marco said no. There seems to be a lot more solid transfer rumors and, and a lot more action happening where, you know, obviously some of these things aren't finalized yet, but they they seem like they're right on the edge of happening. And so I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that Marco has had that chat with Tony and and we are moving on and moving forward now, which is good. And like I said, one of those big things is the re-signing of Willian. Um, is a, a very interesting little period where for about 48 hours, Willian was definitely a Nottingham Forest player. He'd apparently been cited at Forest having a medical. That turned out to be false. And not long after, he was spotted on uh, at, well, at Motspur Park basically rejoining the group and uh, getting stuck straight into training. And I think it's it's just great to see Willian back. I know he was a really integral part of the team last year. Sam, your thoughts on Willian re-signing and how important that was as a bit of a message going forward? Oh, God, I'm going to sneeze at the important point. Um, sorry, well, oh, no, I think I've passed it. Um, somebody might need to take over this point. <laughs> um, no, it was uh, very much... It, it it really did kind of feel like you have like an argument with like your partner and then you have to like go stay on like your sister's couch for like a little bit and then they come back and they're like no 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 we can make this work it re- that, it was a very stressful point um uh, and it it was it felt very whirlwindy i got very stressed and upset about that because i've really really grown to love william and everything that he actually brings to Fulham at this stage. I just really love his presence as well. I just really love the guy. And um, for it to kind of just seemingly implode for a short minute, I was it was a bit like, what? Come back. And he did. Um, so... Yeah, it was weird. I don't like... The, I, don't, I don't really like the transfer um, part of this job, if you can call it that, that we do. It's probably my least favorite part of the season. I didn't realize how much I disliked it until we started doing this podcast because then I had to think about it more. Everything's like just all gossip and speculative until essentially we know definitively what's happening. And uh, particularly with everything that's happening with Saudi Arabia as well, because that, it was it was one thing when it was just other Premier League clubs and the lure of places like Chelsea taking him back. And... I've I've really hated this off season for that. I just did a dad answer. I'm sorry. Yeah, you. This is my. I'm counting. I'm actually holding count. This is the second or third time you've actually done done your very long winded single I word answer. Learn answers. from the best. Can't even remember what the original question was. Um, neither do I. Yeah, can I say that William, with without any no contest, my favorite player last year. He was exciting to watch. I think he absolutely led the way in creativity and, you know, that whole Brazilian kind of Latin thing that seems to have crept in at Fulham, which I love. And I I was sort of shocked when the initial melodrama unfolded that he was leaving because they couldn't reach a deal. And I thought to myself, really? You know, yeah, for, for, for just for more money? Really? I thought that I, I actually panicked and thought that if if this is if this is what we're doing, this is uh, bodes very badly for the Khan's commitment to spending money on uh, our second season. And you know, I, I, I guess they 
I think they probably always knew they wanted him, but it's like that, you know, HR moment when, uh, you know, a junior manages to sort of snag a pay rise and, and, and HR just know it's going to cause a run and everyone's going to be booking a meeting to get a pay rise. And they're probably it's, thinking it's 50 grand on top of everyone's salary here who think they're in te- uh, integral to uh, the team. But I, I anyway, I'm, I'm very happy. I'm very happy Sorry. to have him back. Sorry, I just, I just want, I just want to like full stop on like one point. Um, I know I've spoken about it before, but like the closure is a really big thing for me with certain players. Like we'll get on to the basically the meat and potatoes of like the day when we talk about Mitrovic, but we only had one season of Willian at that point. So like for it to like just only be one season, I wasn't ready for it to just be one season. Hmm. Hmm. I, 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 it's it was a really tricky one actually. I was very much sat on the fence for a lot of the the rumours while it was flying around because the the big part of it is we know that Willian is an older gentleman, even though he's actually younger than me. Um, I was about to say. <laughs> I'm allowed to call him an older gentleman. Um, <laughs> but you, you do have to be careful, and, and Fulham have been really good at it as well in the past, not overpaying players who are in that older age bracket towards the end of their career, not signing him mm. up for long uh, on long contracts either. You look at someone like Tim Ream, who realistically for the rest of his time at Fulham is going to be getting one-year contract extensions and and nothing more than that. Yeah. Willian wanted two years as a bit of security. I totally get that for him. That's not what Fulham were going to ever realistically do. And so we were at a bit of a standoff. And I, I get that. I believe the... The contract that's been signed is a one-year deal for Willian at quite a decent pay bump with a one-year option for the club to extend the contract as well. So he's sort of got what he wanted, but I understand why there was a standoff and why it didn't get done straight away because, you know, if you if you have to weigh it up, yes, he, he was also one of my favourite players last season as well, and I think he was one of our best players last season, but you just can't guarantee that he's going to have the same season again with another year in his legs. He's obviously got the talent, but can we get a full year out of him and a full 30, 38 games plus cup games as well? I'm not a hundred percent sure. So I get but, why, but, hold on. I get why it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a single, single moment where you just walk into the room and say, yep, obviously we're extending your contract for two years. But, but it's just, we're, we're just talking money here and I, I get your point. And I think in theory, and it's, it's absolutely sound way of thinking, but we buy and sell players. I mean, you know, five million pounds is a nothing kind of a player in the Premier League right now. Okay, mm. from from goalkeeper to, to striker, we were contemplating or being asked to fund another maybe hundred thousand dollars pounds for a, a second year. It, it's it's an extra hundred thousand pounds to keep you almost your best player. And someone who has such a massive influence, it's a no-brainer from from an economic point of view. Well, it, it's not an extra hundred thousand pounds; it was a, an extra two and a half million pounds a year. Um, Sorry, per, per per week. I, I, I beg your pardon. And, yeah, and you're right. Yeah, you're right. and look, there's there's the added thought of, around FFP, and you know, if we yep. sign him up to that, we can't sign another player and offer them the the amount that we might want to. We might have our eyes on. You know, maybe the Andre deal, which has possibly fallen over, 
has fallen over because we can't offer that extra 50,000 a week. So I, I look, yeah, I'm yeah. very happy that Willian has re-signed. I, I love him as a player. I think he really suits our style. He really fits in with the group, especially as we've got Muniz and Vinny and Pereira and, you know, Polina, all those Portuguese speaking guys, they're a really tight knit group and we are the Samba whites after all. Um, <laughs> and I think losing Willian would, would, would have a massive effect on the group. I really do. And, so I'm incredibly yeah. glad that he's back at the club and he has resigned. I'm just saying I also understand why it was a bit of a palaver and we didn't just get it over the line straight away. Um, but you can't carnival like without William. It's 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 the best possible thing that we have got Willian resigned because I think he he is such an important player, not just on the pitch but off the pitch as well. So, uh, and it does send a bit of a signal as to Marco's future plans, I think, as well because. Like I said, he he always said that Willian was one of his priorities to re-sign Willian and get him locked in. The fact that um, Willian effectively left the club for a short amount of time, I think Marco would have been incredibly unhappy about that. The fact that he came back obviously means that Marco... I I don't think he would have come back if Marco wasn't going to be there again. And I think we see that with a lot of these guys that that they're there for Marco in some sense. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's happened. I'm glad he's re-signed. I'm really looking forward to next season with Willian in the team. Um, let's have a quick look. What is my next slide? We've got our first actual confirmed new signing of the season. Willian sort of counts as a new signing because he went left the club for a week, but he's back again. But this is the first real one. This was announced, I believe, yesterday, maybe the day before. Raul Jimenez coming in from Wolves. Uh, the Mexican striker, he's 32 years old, signed for a paltry £5 million. Now, there's a lot of conversation to be had around this signing. Um, I don't know how much you guys both know about Raul Jimenez and, and his history in the Premier League um, and his international career as well, but he, he was a, a fairly prolific striker, I guess, in the Premier League at one point and then had a very serious head injury when... Uh, I think it was during COVID, David Louise came and clattered him from behind and effectively Man. fractured his skull, caved his skull in. Hasn't really been the same player since. He didn't score any goals last season for Wolves. Um, but, you know, I think, Sammy, as you were saying, towards the end of last season and during this, the start of the off-season as well, uh, it's all about putting full faith in Marco. And if he sees someone like Jimenez as someone he thinks he can turn around, I think it's for five million pounds. It seems like an absolute steal of a signing. Yeah, it's look okay on paper. It's a weird signing. Like there's there's no two ways about it. Um, it would it wouldn't have really kind of flown into my zeitgeist. Um, but at the same time, um, if Marco sees something in the guy, and if Marco feels that he can work in this system, I very much trust Marco. And you know, and they are like. It's, uh, if anything, I almost have a little bit more faith sometimes in the lesser understood decisions by managers, just because this really feels like it's from Marco. I, he's not, he's not a really a household name. He, this is a very small amount of money. It's very sensible. Uh, and I, Marco has really proven to me that whoever he decides on, 
he's really good at developing and he really sees the vision of how they fit into the squad. Look, sometimes it doesn't work with like Mbabu, but I mean, Vinicius at the start of the season, I, I who could have ever expected what Vinicius was going to become, especially uh, his last couple of seasons at like Benfica and Spurs. Uh, so yeah, I'm kind of on board with this. I don't know what it's going to be, but I'm tentatively excited, I guess. But I just don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Kind of suggests that um, Mooney's is out the door and alone. I would have thought. Um, I can't imagine that. I, I I'm I, I can't believe that Jimenez is going to be our main striker, particularly no. once Mitro's confirmed. So we're we're all I'm sure we're all assuming that we're going to get some sort of Hollywood striker of some sort. And are we assuming that Jimenez and um, and Vinny are the sort of rotating backup strikers here? I think we are. Yeah, I think so. I don't. I don't know who the main guys, but to be honest, I think we're waiting for that um, money for uh, he shall not be named. Uh, to come through to really start discussing options because it's always going to be hard to like lure a big name when you have such a definitive striker and Mitrovic still on the books. I think we, we obviously will need to replace Mitro if and when he does leave. I, I don't think Jimenez is the answer to that. Although I did see a stat again. I cannot remember who it was. I really need to start writing this down because I'm just stealing quotes and stats from people now, but um, Raul Jimenez and Mitro, their goal-scoring stats in the Premier League are almost identical in terms of game games played and goals scored. So obviously we know Mitro had a pretty rough season um, a couple of years ago with Scott Parker in the Premier League, but we also know that Jimenez had a terrible season this year, not scoring any goals in his 14 appearances. I think we could, we, we also have to remember that we spent a lot of last season without Mitro and when he yeah, was totally. there, he was at, you know, he was half cocked. He had an injured foot or ankle. He was banned for eight games. We we only really saw a fraction of Mitro last season. And he scored a, a few goals. But even if someone like Jimenez who could come in, he's an international striker. He has Premier League experience. He might not score at the same rate as Mitro, but I expect he'd still manage to put goals away. He's a slightly different striker in that he's a bit more pacey. Um, he'll, he's still a very strong striker as well, but he'll he'll change our play slightly, and I think we'll be less reliant on um, putting crosses into the box, and maybe we'll start to play defeat a little bit more, like we started to do with Vinny a little bit more. Um, uh, and look, I think for the price, five million pounds in today's market, when you really don't see players leaving for anything under ten million, especially proven Premier League players, five million it just feels like a steal. Um, yeah. It's not Even sexy, but neither striker. is. Yeah. Sorry, I was going to say it's not sexy, but neither is sweet potato, and they're both good for you. You know. Mm, yeah, sure. Um, I think either way, he's a, it's it's a good signing for me. It's a it's a very um, understated way to kick off our transfer business this year, picking up someone on a really good deal who will hopefully play a part this season. I agree with Dad. I think Muniz is probably out the door. I think he he looked. Like he's improved since the last time I saw him play, but he's still not quite there. Another season where he actually gets games under his belt, I think would be perfect for him. I expect 
we won't see him go to Lee or to the championship again because that just didn't work out for him. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him maybe go to Portugal or to Brazil where they play a similar style to the one he grew up with and maybe get some goals under his belt and get a bit of confidence. And look, if if we had Vinny and Jimenez um, battling it out for our starting spot as striker and then had to bring someone in in January, I wouldn't be too upset about it. Yeah, I would like to see us obviously splurge and spend 40, 50 mil on a striker. Do I see that really happening though? Not really. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if we do make moves in the transfer market after this. But like I said, I, I can't imagine Ooh. we're going to splash. Oh, but but honestly, it would be a very, very high risk, very, very high risk strategy to rely on Jimenez. No goals last year, last season. Obviously proven over his career, but on form, pretty concerning. Vinny's not going to get you. If you played pick Vinny to start every week, you couldn't guarantee that he'd get you 15 goals in a, in a season as we yes. as we stand, right? Um, and so, so suddenly if you can't get that out of your striking options, you're staring down the barrel of relegation. Well, surely we're not going there. Surely, surely we have to get another pretty high profile, maybe not 50 million pounds, but pretty high profile striker in the shed. Surely. It's it's really hard to say, though, because Wolves are shit. And like the last season, they every single player at Wolves really struggled to create chances and create uh, attacking momentum in basically any capacity like they were really really poor scoring goals last season across the entire team and this guy's clearly clearly has a massive confidence issue slash coming off a really really huge injury and look if anybody can restore confidence in mm. a player like this guy it's marco silver isn't it yeah it's an exciting project I, I i like the the i like the feel of it it's it's an interesting comment that i'll pull up here on our live stream from colm um, who just says Fulham scored 55 goals last season. Wolves only scored 31. As we've mentioned, Jimenez didn't score any goals last season. Mm. The one thing that I will say there, though, Fulham scored 55 goals last season. Mitro only scored 14 of those 55 goals. So it's yeah. not like we're relying fully on our striker to be scoring all of the goals. And And I think we have to remember that you know, Mitro didn't score 40 goals last season. We rode off his coattails and he was the only reason that we scored 55 goals last year. Obviously, totally. he's he's a great player and, and scored a lot of goals for us. He got a handful of assists as well and played a big part in a lot of those goals. But I think if you put another striker in there of um, slightly lesser ability, like I, I think genuinely if Vinny had played a full season, I reckon he probably would have scored 15 goals because I think we were playing such good football that we're putting the ball in good areas for him as well. And I think we genuinely, I, I think it wouldn't have been that bad a year for him. I, I, I don't know if you dis, completely disagree with that, but. Well, well, got I, 10. I think... One thing I've always thought is that it's a funny one, you know, Mitro, what he means to the football club, um, the kind of effect he has when he's playing really well, his ability to fire everyone up and, you know, all of that is is a very potent thing to fiddle with or dismantle. And, and you know, Mark has built a, a very successful, quite adapted team around this Metro thing. And 
but but there must be in Marco's, you know, perfect world, there would have been a couple of frustrating elements to Metro. It's funny how quickly we're talking about him like he's dead. But um, uh, you know, there would have been there would have been his lack of pace, the fact that you know he was in know, he's, season. He's, no, no, no. I'm I'm, I'm talking no, about but even before that. Ele- that's right. Elements. No elements of his game. I think Silver much prefers a fast-paced game, yeah. a more skillful kind of last third of football. And I think Mitro's inability to be uh, flexible enough to fit into that system is probably a frustration for Silver. And you know, I, I suspect that in many ways Silver's probably relishing the opportunity to build something different. Uh, around two or three players um, as our strike force, uh, something that he thinks provides us with an arsenal for for different situations, even different moments in games that he can, you know, bring, you know, high-quality people into the team. Whereas Mitro, not, not that Silva was reluctant to drag him if he wasn't playing well, he's kind of a big force, isn't he? He certainly was within Fulham, and mm. uh, he 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 casts a, a long shadow, you know, in many ways. And so, um, yeah, I just think it's interesting. And and you know, he's made the decision for us, and now we have to react to it. Uh, and I, but I think as long as there's money to be spent and time to do it, I can't see Silver being that upset. Honestly, I will save my comments t- till we get to the section. Mm. I'm clearly like champing to get to that slide, Jay. Oh, mate, you're gagging for it. I'm kind of about it, though. <laughs> oh, I think Jack, Jack's on mute. on mute. Whoops. Yeah, that, um, I was. Yeah, <laughs> he just shows that uh, we haven't been here pre, for too pre, much. Pre season, Jack. Pre season. I know. So I'm still warming up. I was just saying, uh, Vinny scored five goals from 11 starts last season. He made most of his appearances off the bench. I, I genuinely think we can we can do it without Mitro. It might not be the same. We'll have to adapt. But if we didn't bring in another striker, I'm glad at least we've got Jimenez to back up Vinny or Vinny to back up Jimenez. And we've got mm. two half-decent strikers who can do a job for us. Um, Jimenez definitely has a Premier League experience. Vinicius is obviously still pretty fresh to the Premier League, but he has a season under his belt. He's played with this group of players they really enjoy playing with him. You can really tell that as well when yeah. they're on the pitch and in the change rooms and stuff. He's right in the middle of all the social groups and they, they really love him. And I think they'd love to see him have a breakout season as well because um, he, he just seems like a really nice bloke. I'd love to get to know him and have a beer with him. Um, I genuinely and so agree. I, I hope he scores 20 goals this year. Yeah. Let's, let's move on and talk about some of the confirmed transfers out these are just confirmed ones, and I've just picked up on a couple of them as well rather than noting all of the players who left when their contracts ended and have um, transferred out of the club. Um, first, these knee skins, it was announced that he's joining Al Jazeera on a free, uh, moving across to Abu Dhabi. Um, look, I, I think we were all sort of hoping that knee skins was going to get an extension to his contract, but not overly surprised that he didn't get one. Um I'm I'm not sure if I'm disappointed that he's leaving. I'm more sad that he's leaving because of the character that he was rather than the actual football he played. He always had a bit of electricity around him when he was on the pitch, but in terms of a final product, it was sometimes lacking. 
Um, I am sad to see him go, though. He's been at the club for a long time. You kind of forget how long he's actually been at Fulham. Um, and so it is sad to see Cabana go. And I, I think we all wish him the best when he moves across to Al Jazeera. And I think mm. he's going to really enjoy it over there as you know, comfortably one of their best players uh, in that league. I think I saw that he might have even scored a hat-trick on his debut for them, um, which just shows the, the level of that competition. And good on him. He's going to be getting a massive payday over there. So, um, yeah, bless him. Yeah. Well done to I, Neeskins I'm and just, good luck at Al Jazeera. Yeah, I, I, you know, respect the guys taking up a new career in journalism. Fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think they are actually all one group, so it's not not that far out of the question. He'll be on the TV soon enough. Um, <laughs> the only thing I would say, he's only 31, Neeskin, so I reckon he probably had another season playing at, you know, at least a championship club, but I would have thought there's a few Premier League clubs who might have picked him up. Um a little bit disappointing. I'm going to miss him. But... I'm unashamedly going to miss him. I love the guy. Um, I I enjoyed his football. I, you know, he's very unlucky last season. And even when he came back after that horrific injury, and he came back mm. earlier than I even imagined it possible, I thought he was exciting. And you, you're right, Jack. I mean, you know, he's not he's not in Babu, no, not in Mbappe, but um, he he's. I I didn't mind him off the bench. I did not mind him. Look, I mean, for me, for me, if he didn't embarrass himself for one second last season, um, maybe he didn't get maybe he didn't get goals, but that's whatever. And he's been such a wonderful, wonderful addition to Fulham. And if the end result is him leaving with his head high, no embarrassment, no ill will, and he goes and makes shitloads of money. I only want the best for him. I think it, I think it's good, and I think it's time. And may, maybe maybe that's not necessarily everyone's opinion, but I I kind of think if he's gonna leave, this this is probably the best case scenario. Yeah, good good for him. Yeah, um, and look, Neeskins is he was at the club for seven years. Um, as Black White and Fred says on our live stream, we did offer him a contract. He turned it down, but I'd say the reason he turned it down was was more. Um, for what he's going to be getting when he goes across to Al Jazeera, it's obviously not the same level as the Saudis, but he'd be he'd be getting a decent little packet over there, I'm sure. Do, do, we, I believe... do we know what he's getting? No, I'm a actually just trying to look it up African now. African village. Um, <laughs> I mean, he he wasn't on much at Fulham. He he would have been one of our lowest earners. Uh, I'd say part of that is because he was at the club for such a long time. Um, and you know you try you get a small bump to your to your wage every year, but it would be going up and down fairly often with relegations as well. So, um, yeah, look, I, like I said, even if he's getting double what he was on, he'd be pretty happy with that. I would have thought so. He's probably got himself bumped from thirty to sixty, seventy thousand a week. Um, and look, like like we've said when we were talking about the Saudis before, I totally understand it. He's gone out and, um, you know, setting up his family. He's coming towards the end of his career. Obviously, he's only 31. But realistically, he's as a winger who relies so much on pace and and quickness, effectively, I, I think he's probably only got a couple of years left where that is really a weapon of his. So I do totally understand the move for him. And like I said, wish him all the best. The other person I think we all wish the best is 
Joe Bryan, who, again, similar to Neeskins, is mm. a massive character and such a big presence in the change room. It's a bit of a shame, I thought, that we let him go out on loan last year. He spent the year at Nice, only made six appearances. Uh, it was a bit disappointing, that whole loan move, especially as we were you know, scratching around for, for wingbacks early in the season. We'd let him go. Um, but again, another player who it was at Fulham for five years and some of those incredible moments um, from Joe Bryan, obviously notably the the goal, the, the two goals in the playoff final, especially that free kick against um, David Raya, who was supermanning through the air and nowhere near the ball. But, you know, that was right in the middle of COVID and one of those moments where you'll just never forget that. That's That's a peak full of moments, seeing someone mm. score in a playoff final, go up there with Tom Keeney's goal, it, you know, turns you into a cult hero straight away. And, you know, I, I hope he never has to buy a drink if he's around Fulham ever again. So <laughs> a, a real shame to see him go. But a, similar to Neeskins, I think he's just not quite at that level that we've pushed on to now. Um, you compare Joe Bryan to Anthony Robinson. And I saw an interview with Joe Bryan as well. And he, he basically just came out and said, look, I'm playing at left back. Anthony Robinson came to Fulham. He's outside the top six. He's one of the best left backs in the league. And so fair play. I can't get past that. Um, and it's it's kind of what happens when the team starts to build and improve. We've been up and down for the last few years with Joe Bryan around. So you sort of you stick with him because you know what he is and what he can do. But when you we've moved on now to Robinson and, you know, if we ever lose Robinson, we'll be upgrading again. And so Joe Bryan doesn't really have a place at the club anymore, which is just the nature of football clubs and, and how you progress. Yeah. So uh, I think going to Millwall is a really good change for him. It's a good challenge. He won't have to move too far because it's obviously still London-based. Um, so he's not uprooting his family and moving overseas or anything like that. So, like I said, wish Joe Bryan all the best. He's... Um, a, a massive character and will be missed at Fulham, I think, especially by Bobby Reed, who I think is one of his best mates in the world. They grew up in the Bristol City Academy together. So um, I'm sure they really enjoyed the last few years being able to play together. And yep, wish Joe Bryan the best. Um, but another transfer confirmed out. Let's have a quick peek at a few transfer rumours. Now, as we've mentioned a couple of times, we don't love getting into rumours because that's what they are, they're rumours. But a few of these that I've put in here are the more solid rumours that we've heard. And, and in saying solid, it's mainly that they've been tweeted by Fabrizio, um, <laughs> who is the single source of truth more often than not. Um, but these seem to be rumours that have a bit of a basis and they're not coming out of nowhere. They're ones with um, a bit of a backstory to them. So... I've got four of them here. There's three incoming and one outgoing. The first of these, uh, Calvin Bassey, who is uh, a left-back slash centre-back from Ajax. He actually was born in London, um, but has been playing over uh, for Ajax for the last few years. He played at Rangers before that. Um, he was signed by Ajax for, I think, $20 million from Rangers after having a really, really good year with them. Um, he's been slightly disappointing at Ajax. Um, not a terrible season, but a lot of people just saying he's not the same player he was at Rangers. But the benefit of someone like Bassi is he can play at left-back and at centre-back comfortably. Mm. So he's comfortable in both positions. So that gives us a bit more flexibility across the back line where 
we know we are short short on players at the moment. And with Joe Bryan gone, we do need a backup left back. Um, because if Robinson's injured, we saw what happens last year. Tete gets moved across to the left back. Deckard over Reed starts playing at left back. It gets messy. Um, Dad, your thoughts on bringing in Bassi? He's still very young, obviously, as well. Um, 15, 15, oh, 18 million has been touted as a price. Um, good signing for you. Oh, look, to be, to be really honest, I, I don't know that much about him. Uh, I've heard all the things you you just said in summary about him, but I don't have any personal experience. Um, but if I look at what we've tried to do at left back, um, you know, it hasn't been that successful. So, yeah, I'm up for a role. And I'd, and I'd much rather have a young guy that we obviously think highly of that is going to be around the club, not a lone player, sort of plug a, a, a gap at both left and right back as we've been doing. Um, so, yeah, I, I, as I said, I don't know much about him, but I like the idea of it. Sure. I think the biggest thing is how young he is. He's only 23. He's yeah. played almost, well, Played it's 60 games for Rangers. The young and shit is not that good. <laughs> no, 60, games, 60 games for Rangers and, um, you know, won a couple, won the, the Premier League or the Premiership with Rangers, yeah. won the Scottish Cup with them, Europa League runner up, which is where he was noticed by Ajax, who then signed him. Um, yeah. He's 23, he's got 10 caps for Nigeria now. Uh, look, I, I think in terms of his age and what he's achieved so far that that season that Rangers made the final of the Europa League he was voted into the Europa League team of the season so it's nothing to sneeze at when you're um what was that two years ago so you're 21 years old as a as a central defender and getting voted into a team of the season you've got to be doing something right it's obviously just not worked for him at Ajax and echoing what Sam said many times I'm hoping Silver can can bring out the best in him just about to say that I think we've said that so many times and I think we do genuinely believe that that is one of Marco Silva's talents to mm. actually spot players and then actually do the business with them, make them feel part of it, uh, make them feel they belong and bring, you know, f- find the best. Uh, yeah, I'm backing him. On Sammy, uh, you sniggered at Dad saying he had no idea about Calvin Bassey, so I want to know what he eats for breakfast now. <laughs> oh, look, man, I don't know anything about Calvin Bassey. I don't know anything about Murata. What I was literally just about to say is everything that we just said about Bassey, we could probably say about Murata. <laughs> well, the one thing I'll say about Murata, he's got probably more experience under his belt. He's played 50 games now for Benfica as a 20, he's only just turned 22. So he's a couple of years younger than Bassi, but he's very well thought of. He's been called up for the Brazilian squad. He's played uh, under 20s for Brazil. Um, he's, you know, he, he's keeping Vertonghen out of the out of the side for a while when he was playing at Benfica. Um, he's, he's a seriously good-looking player, and I think it's really great seeing us chasing these young defenders as well. We're not just going for... Really well established guys. Yep, Colm's comment. I know that's why Dad's it's, it's really low hanging fruit. <laughs> it is. I'll have to just share it quickly. Just jumping back to Calvin Bassey, Colm Bolger saying his mum was such a great singer, and uh, we've already heard. I mean, it's it's just undoubted that he's going to be 
nicknamed Shirley as soon as he gets into the change room. Um, but look, Murato, again, another exciting prospect. I'll admit as well, I don't know a huge amount about him. The, the fee being touted, I've put down here on our live stream, $5 million. It's a typo. It's closer to $25 million from my understanding. We've approached Benfica multiple times about it, been knocked back a few times. Um, I think the conversation that Tony Khan and Marco Silva had probably revolves a lot around Murato, who has been our first choice as a signing for centre-back from the very start of the transfer window. And I think Marco would be saying, I need this bloke really badly. If you want me to stay, I need Murato. Um, so we'll we'll see how that unfolds. I expect we'll get a bit more news by the time we pod next. Um, but those two as defensive reinforcements look really exciting. And we saw, you know, Polina, obviously we, we haven't discussed the fact that Polina picked up a bit of an injury in the Brentford game. Um, we haven't got any further detail on that, although I assume we'll find out fairly soon exactly what happened there's a very massive range on um the recovery time from you know a couple of weeks if he's just slightly popped his shoulder out and it's a bit sore to three to four months if it's something more serious and you've done some tendon damage or something along those lines so we'll need to wait for further news on that but um we're light on at center back at the moment i mean the guy's basically made of steel and concrete so i'm not I'm not crazy worried. Maybe I should be, but yeah. Well, the interesting thing about it was innocuous, which is always worrying. Yeah, really. Mm. Well, is it worrying? I mean, um, apparently it's a recurring injury for him. It's it's not the first time. And I didn't know that. But it it, it was not a heavy blow in any way, shape, or form. And and he, he kind of went for his shoulder before he even hit the ground. So it was the body contact with the other player that actually caused the problem. So it's interesting. Um, you can't imagine, you can't imagine that, um, you know, that that did a huge amount of ligament damage, but who knows? Just who knows? Well, even if even if he is injured properly, I'm not sure if we've covered it already, but Marco Silva is actually very good at developing players who have been through a struggle. That was a joke. Anyway, go on. Uh, fell flat but anyway we we move we move um next one we'll talk about fred as a defensive midfielder this one stems all the way back to the very end of last season that game against man united where silver purposefully got off the bus had a long chat with fred and ever since then we've been very very closely linked with fred he's been left out of man united's touring party for their pre-season um the the fee here is going to be the sticking point. I believe Man United want twenty million for him. I don't think we're willing to pay that much. Um, I mean, he's a talented player. We all saw it in that assist. Was it the assist or was it the goal that he scored? I can't oh, remember. He's... I think it was Fernandez assisted. The, the assist, Fred, wasn't it? Yeah. Fred, um, yeah. Fred's assist. Yeah. Um, we we know he's talented. We know he's a good player. I feel like this is going to be a bit of a Leno transfer where we're going to end up picking up Fred for 6 million plus add-ons, plus add-ons, plus add-ons. And it's probably going to go right down to the wire. I, I wouldn't be surprised if in a month's time, this transfer still wasn't completed and he comes in right on deadline day. Um, Sam, dad, excited about the prospects of someone like Fred? Yeah, I really like Fred. I really, really like him. I, I, I think he's been massively underrated in the Premier League and at Man U for a really, really long time. I think he has moments of genius. Uh, I want to talk about Mitrovic. 
<laughs> it's just staring at me now. Dad, any thoughts on Fred? Yeah, yeah. To me, he's he's he has the sort of secret source of William that I think we can what, really Brazilian? benefit from. No, he's got he's got that cool hair. <laughs> no, it's just that moment of genius and slickness, which is next level. Which mm. I think once people get used to that and know that it's always on, it changes the way that sides actually play. Yeah. And I think um, you you can't have enough of that. It's it's like you know Brazil versus Australia at the World Cup, the kinds of stuff they try on and invariably pull off from time to time. And Williams definitely got that about him. And maybe, you know, I saw against that, was it the Southampton game with that goal with Pereira where he was involved in that little one-two with Harrison Reed, yeah. that kind of stuff. We just don't have enough of that. And anyone who can introduce that to Fulham Football Club is yes, please for me. I think that's a big part of someone like Alvin Bassi as well and Morato there well-known for their passing ability. And we saw it a lot last year with how good Tim Ream was coming out of defence, passing into midfield, to add someone like Fred in there as well. We know Polina, although he, he put a great pass, a long ball over mm. the top for Harry Wilson in that uh, warm-up game, he's not known for his passing ability. Harrison mm. Reed isn't known for his passing ability either. We've got two very defensive midfielders there. And their jobs are to tackle, win the ball back, and then just comfortably lay it off to someone. When we see someone like Fred and that assist that he he made in that game uh, against us at the end of the season, someone who can yeah. split a defence from a defensive midfield position is is just world class. Open so many more doors doors for us because all of mm. a sudden you're you're dangerous from everywhere. You don't need to spread it out to the wings to be dangerous anymore. You can be dangerous through the middle as well and the other team's just constantly going to have to be on their toes, which is impossible because they don't know where the next attack is coming from. And that's what Fred would bring to the team. And I'd love to see that one get over the line. Like I said, I think it's going to be late in this window though, because I think we're going to haggle because he's going to be leaving for free if he doesn't leave in this transfer window. Hmm. And so finally, the last <laughs> transfer we're going to talk about is Alexander Mitrovic's potential move to Al Hilal for a touted fifty million pounds? Um, it's hard to know really where to start on this one. Um, it's like like we've said a few times when we're talking about the Saudi deals. It's understandable when players move for money. Um, you know, Mitro's he's on probably a hundred thousand a week, maybe even more than that here. He's going to go across and earn, like I said, five, maybe ten times as much um, and spend a couple of years there. He's getting on a fraction. He's not the young stud he was anymore. He's not exactly the, the quickest player in the world. So defenders are just going to start catching up to him even easier than they have done previously. His body seems to be starting to fall apart a bit because he picks up injuries like it's no one's business. Um mm. Uh, and look, when this this whole Saudi thing first started, I remember sitting back and thinking, I don't think there's any players that would actually be targeted by Saudi clubs playing at Fulham. But it feels like there's been a concerted effort to almost disrupt Fulham this this summer. And they've been going after Silva. They've been going after every player who we've been rumoured about. 
seems to end up disappearing off to Saudi because they've had a massive offer come in. Um, and Mitro looks like he's most likely out the door. We've seen a couple of little videos from uh, pre-season where Mitro's running laps with Tosin, who we're not talking about at the moment, but is also potentially leaving this summer. Um, and look, I'll, I'll throw it across. I'll chuck to you first, Sammy, because you uh, are obviously fairly passionate about this. Um, just give us your overall thoughts on the prospect of Mitro leaving uh, leaving Fulham for fifty million pounds to go to Saudi. Yeah, I mean it's it's a subject matter that I feel inspire um, inspires passion from everybody, and I feel that it really uh, it, it, there's there's so much hearsay around not just the deal itself, but just the way in which not that it's been handled by Fulham, but the way in which it's been handled by Mitrovic. Obviously, a lot of this is allegedly, but um, yeah, there's 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 been reports that he's essentially just spat the dummy and said things like, "I'm I'm done with Fulham. It's over for me now. I'm never going to play there for, ever again." Um, I've always been incredibly critical of his attitude. I was very, very vocal last season about how he carried himself and how he essentially put himself in a position to, I mean, manhandle a ref, for lack of a better word. And it's it's a very... Obviously, he is a legacy player. He has... um, a pretty uncompromising legacy at the club now. I mean, he's essentially our greatest striker ever. Um, and I, I've, I've said it to you guys behind closed doors. I've always been a bit skeptical of um, uh, his allegiances to Fulham because I think he is an excellent striker and his attitude in a lot of respects has held him back from really playing at bigger clubs. And um, he, as Dad mentioned before, he is doesn't have a massive amount of versatility, although an amazing target man. And we have massively compensated for that over the years and really kind of structured this entire club around him. So it's so disappointing to essentially see how this is all being handled largely from Mitrovic. Um, the, the money the money is one thing. It's 50 million. It's a massive, massive sum. Obviously, we want to get the best amount that we can out of it. And these deals kind of come and go with players all the time. I mean, if you think of players like Wilfred Zaha, who's been constantly touted at leaving uh, Crystal Palace and deals not going through, the, the reaction that's come from Mitrovic in this, in this state I, I do believe he's gone. I do believe he's going to be going. Um, uh, this deal will go through. I can't. I can't know the exact amount, but the way in which it's all gone about, and the way in which he's going to be leaving, it really, really sours. Um, for me, at least, it really sours the reputation of which, which a special player. Um, I. <sighs> It's it's hard because I I don't want to say that this ruins his legacy for me, but 
uh, it, uh, it, you always kind of know who's swimming when the swimming naked when the tide's out. And I feel like this is a really good example of it. I don't know. You, you, you guys say things. <laughs> I feel, you know, you know what? I, I feel very sorry for the fan base yeah. um, because people have such a lot of love for Mitrovic for some of the, you know, remarkable feats that he's pulled off and the, you know, the really big epic things that he's done for the club um, over the last few years. And I think there was a lot of love for him that he stayed when we went down to uh, the, the championship. Um, maybe that was purely based around the fact that he was still earning near his damn it to a hundred thousand pounds a week. And that was always his main motivation. So maybe it wasn't that much about love. I don't know, but I, I feel very sorry for the fans because I hear it. Um, I really hear it in their responses that they feel very conflicted about the whole thing. You know, it, it take nothing away from what he's done, but why do you have to leave like this um, kind of feeling? And it, I suppose it's like having a great relationship with someone that, you know, can't we just separate nicely? Um, mm. But I, I, I've got no problem with Mitrovic as a professional sportsman wanting to absolutely optimize his payday and return on, yeah. on his skills. No problem at all. And I, I kind of feel that the comments that have slid out that have never been confirmed that Metro said he will never play for Fulham football club again after they, in his view, valued him too highly, um, which is bollocks, absolute nonsense. You know, the club putting 50 million pounds on Metro is not too highly. It just didn't suit what he wanted. And I think that's poor. And I, and what I mean is that if, if he didn't say those things allegedly to relatives, you would find a way surely to come out through PR or through um, so, some third party to confirm that that was never said. But the fact that he hasn't kind of suggests that that might be true. And that's disappointing because that's a dummy spit and that's not professional. And so I don't mind him earning whatever he, um, the, the Saudi market rate for Metro is. It's, Fair enough. Thanks for the memories, but that is not a good way to leave. Yeah, look, it's 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 hard to put into words exactly how this has all unfolded over the last couple of weeks. It's there's been such a massive backlash from the Fulham fandom. It's been it's just been crazy. Like I, I think as a few people said, and I think Fred might have said here um, on our live stream, disappointed that uh, he wants to move in his prime after our best ever season with him. Would have respect for it if he wanted to go to a Champions League team or a league title like Italy. And I think that's what you two have both touched on there. It just feels a bit wrong to be leaving in your prime at Fulham as, as a Fulham legend to be leaving in this manner where you're chucking out threats saying I'm never playing for this club again, saying, you know, telling his family that he's done and he's never going to play. 
trying to force his way out, effectively going on strike. And, you know, we've seen the videos. He's training by himself and is basically I, – I don't know if you guys, Dad, you would have seen during the preseason game against Brentford, Mitre basically sitting on the sideline and they've chucked the camera on him mm. a lot during that game. Yeah. And he just looked like he could not be, you know, it, yeah. It, yeah. he was there, but he wasn't there. And totally he couldn't wait to get out of there. Yep. Um, no, no one was really I'm chatting say, with him. and Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Sam, you go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say that, you know, um, I, I, I recognize the point that um, I, I don't actually have any issue with um, him leaving the club or even if he's leaving at the top of his game, going to a Champions League club or an Italian League club, like I don't actually have any issues with that. But I mean, if you think about like somebody like Jack Grealish, who deeply, deeply loved Aston Villa, and there was so many reports that when he left, he assembled everybody in um, the locker room, explained his decision, explained his love for the club. And really, there is a right and a wrong way to do this kind of stuff. And he explained that he wanted to play Champions League and he explained the reason. It's it's just really disheartening. It almost just kind of felt like he's never really fully wanted to be there and he's kind of like played us all. I it wouldn't just, go that far. Feels... I think I know, he, I know. Tell... I'm just saying what it feels like. Yeah, you can tell it when he was in the championship, he was scoring all those goals. They I mean, how can you not love being at a club where the fans love you as much as they love Mitro? And I think that's what gets a lot of people. I mean, we stuck through him, stuck with him, sorry, through the eight game ban. Everyone tried to defend him as much as possible through that. Um so many when he when he came back from that ban, you know, the fans all went to Southampton, purchased Serbian flags. There would have been hundreds of Serbian flags in the away end, all for Mitro. Every time he touched the ball, the whole crowd went up for him. He he must feel the love from the Fulham fans. Mm. And so you just hope that you'd handle this whole situation a little bit differently. I, I Look, if he wants to go, that's fine. But you sit there quietly, you talk internally about it, and you get it sorted. And we understand that you've got an offer that you can't refuse, and that's fair enough. Uh, and look, I, I don't put this fully down to Mitra. I, I do, in part, his um, his agent. Uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. It's yeah, um, he's notorious. Pini Zavi or something along those lines um, is notoriously a shit stirrer, and he's the one out there, hundred percent, leaking stories to the press, unsettling everything as as often as he can to try and get this move pushed through. So. Um, there's definitely a part of that happening. And so I don't think we, until we know the full story, and I think the full story will come out once this is all finalised, until we know the full story, we shouldn't pass judgment completely. But the way it's been handled so far has been incredibly disappointing. Uh, Penny Zavi, thank you, Steve. Um, uh, it's It's been, yeah, it's been disappointing. And uh, I'm just upset that you know i've got a three-year-old son who loves singing mitro's on fire around the house and it's a song i taught him because of how much i love our star striker who will go down as one of the best (laughs) ever strikers just change the lyrics to mitro's for hire (laughs) (laughs) he's going to be allowed to swear a couple of times i think just just because i think it's it's necessary um fuck off (laughs) yeah (laughs) not far off yeah 
um it's yeah. so look, it's 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 really disappointing I, I i think we should try and hold tight a little bit until we find out exactly what's happened because i i guarantee as soon as he's gone the whole story will come out um but you know as fred said in our comments there it is disrespectful to fulham it's disrispectful to 100%. the fan base it's disrespectful to the club who have done so much for him and and you know He's he's a divisive player. He was when he came to us from Newcastle. We've really put the time and effort into him. We've put up with some pretty big dummy spits from him across the last few years. We've we've really backed him, and it just feels like we're we're being left hung out to dry a little bit by someone who we've we've just bent over backwards for. And that's why it's disappointing. Yep. I think if he yep. decided I'm leaving and I I want to go, and he did it the right way. I think everyone would have been absolutely fine with it. So, can I can I ask a, can I ask a question to to both of you here? Because I'm and this is purely for me. For me, um, obviously, he, you can't argue with any of his statistics and anything that he's really really done. But for me, this does affect his legacy just purely for the amount of allowances that we've made for him. This this leaves a very sour taste in my mouth and it does affect his legacy for me. I was wondering how it like affects it for you guys. Can you, can you see past this and just purely look at the good times or is this, are you, are you in my boat? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I've followed Fulham for a long time. I remember when Louis Saha left for Man United and Louis Saha was up there with Mitro in terms of talent. He was far, far exceeded Mitro's talent. Uh, but in terms of um, you know how many goals he scored and how important he was for Fulham, I'd say he's on on a par with Mitro. And people were upset when he left, and you know I've seen a few people making com- the same comparisons. And you know Fulham fans, when Saha was playing for Man United, putting up um, Judas signs in the crowd, and <laughs> but again, I think Saha went from Fulham to Man United. He did it the right way. And he's now remembered fondly as one of our best ever strikers. It, this this will get forgotten in time, but he it'll definitely there'll be an asterisk next to his name. Um, mm. Just you because, know, you know, because of the way. Sorry, sorry, Jack. Um, well, as as uh, I was just going to make a comment, very much on the same lines as Black, White, and Fred have just said. Definitely not getting a statue. And yeah. and what I was going to say before he actually Black, White, and Fred made that comment is that there's a reason why people tend not to get a statue before they die, just in case they kind of do a rolf before they do. And you know, um, it's it's. I think you're. I think you you get judged on the entirety of your involvement with a club, not only the wonderful things that you do which will, you know, live long in people's memories, but it's all of it. And how you mm. leave and how you exit stage left does matter. And I think, I, I, I feel the, that, oh, look, I, re- I totally get his reason. I cannot get away from being fully supportive and understanding of his reasons for wanting the money. But, wow, we really did stick our neck for, out for Metro. Yep. You know, with that brain fade last year, and 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 a number of other things along the way as well, and I think um, it kind of deserves some repayment, or at least 
some really, really deep consideration. And then I also get that his time's running out. The offer's maybe not going to be there next year. So what do you do? But I think what you do do is you don't spit the dummy. You don't go on strike. You find a way to somehow, as it was said in the discussion many times, hey, Metro, if we're five mil short here, how about you dipping into your pocket and, and giving it to Tony Khan from your massive payday and make it right for Fulham? You know, if, if the two, two organisations just can't get there, maybe the third party called Metro economically makes it happen. And I know that is a bit of a long bow, but um, that would be a way of at least not blotting your copybook and at least not trashing the club on the way out the door. Yeah. Look, I I think we, we almost need to leave it here and come back to it once we've got a bit more clarity on where it goes from here because as we say it's it's i wouldn't call it a rumor at this stage there's definitely something happening and like i said i think once everything's finalized we're going to get a lot more of the story come out and we'll understand a lot better exactly what happened um because these things leak out especially when it's as um controversial as as this one is uh but look you know mitro he's our, our sixth highest goal scorer of all time it's hard to just wipe him from the history books, and I don't think we ever can. And nah. he's delivered some of the best moments we've had as Fulham fans in the last few years. And, and so I'm thankful to him for that. But as we've all said, I, I just wish he'd done it slightly differently because he really could have gone down as one of our best ever players. And I think you would probably put him in the top top 10 Fulham players of all time. If if a poll was run maybe three weeks ago, he'd, he'd be in there. Um, and what doesn't he's change, done now doesn't change his legacy as a player, Jack. It changes his legacy as a bloke. But that's but that's part of your that is your legacy. I think you can't just have a legacy based on what you do on the pitch. I think it's about mm-hmm. um, your attitude and and what you do off it as well. And and that's sure. you know you look at someone like Johnny Haynes who's got a statue at Craven Cottage. It's not just the fact that he spent his whole career there. It's the kind of bloke he was, and that was just as important as as what he did for Fulham and, and it's the love for Fulham as well. And what Mitro's done here has effectively ripped the love out of the relationship there completely. Um, mm. And, yeah. and so it's, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. And, you know, Fred makes a, a comment here saying what happens if the fee isn't agreed. Um, yeah. And look, I think that's, that's a possibility, you know, Al Halal are chasing Mbappe as well and have apparently said that they're going to be popping in, uh, something ridiculous. I think it was three hundred million up front, and then seven hundred million on his wage every year as well. So it, there's some crazy numbers being thrown around. And um, look, like I said, let's let's revisit this next time we pod. We'll definitely have some answers by then as to what the future holds. Um, so before we close off, I'll just jump back to where we started, which is the summer series. Couple more games to come. Uh, we're recording this currently on. What is it? Wednesday, the 26th of July on Thursday, the 27th of July. So 7 a.m. for us here in Perth, which is 9 a.m. Eastern time in uh, the East Coast of Australia. That's a midnight kickoff GMT for those of us in London. Uh, Game against Aston Villa, uh, who had a pretty good result. I think they drew one all with Newcastle. Um, And then 
on Sunday, 7.45pm for those in the UK. Fulham take on Chelsea. That's a Monday morning, 2.45am for us in Perth and 4.45 Eastern kickoff on Monday the 31st of July. Um, that'll be our final game in the summer series. Uh, and we're currently sitting second. I didn't even realize they had a league table for this series, but apparently they do. <laughs> um, we're sitting second. So, uh, you know, maybe we'll walk away with another trophy to add to the Intertoto Cup. And people who say we've never won a major trophy will have to shut up after a while. Um, <laughs> but look, it's it's looking like it's been a really good run out so far. Um Jimenez um, met the team. I saw literally a video pop up while we're recording this podcast of Jimenez walking in and, and meeting all the guys. He's over in Orlando at the moment with the team. So there's a, a outside possibility that he actually makes an appearance against Chelsea. And I think that's one thing that we've always complained about is these new signings don't get enough games before the season starts. The fact that he's only missed the first two of, I think, five that we've got lined up is not the worst thing in the world, but we'd like to see a bit more action on the uh, on the signing front before the preseason is all finished and we get into the real games with uh, Everton in August. Sammy, you got something to say before we end up? Well, I think I'll be able to forgive Fulham for this whole Mitrovic mess if on the exact same day he goes to Al Halal, they finally drop the hot pink away strip that I'm gagging for. <laughs> uh, I'd probably be okay with that. I, I think that would be a good trade off. Fair trade. Fair trade. Uh, may, maybe they've actually based the uh, the whole kit launch around Mitro wearing hot pink, and they've had to reshoot videos of all the other players in hot pink because they can't use any of the footage anymore. Um, but look, I agree. I'm looking forward to seeing our away kit and our third kit because we're getting a new third kit too this year. So hoping that gets launched fairly soon. I'm. The, the home kit's growing on me slowly but surely. Haven't bought it yet, but I think uh, Alfie's been begging me for it because he, he saw the team playing the other morning. So definitely had to have to get that one soon. I am um, bleeding from my eyeballs in terms of tiredness and <laughs> I, I, I can't mention Saudi Arabia anymore before I go to sleep. So with that in mind and with Jack slowly approaching back in on the podcast, we can wrap this up here very nicely with a red, white and black bow. Jack, um, since you are the one who usually likes to send us off and I've done a fabulous job with this outro given the controversial nature in which I've started it, I will leave you to send us out. I look forward to listening back to what that sounds like because uh, I've had to edit a few of these in the past. But I'll back Better than your audio right now. I don't know what just happened. Yeah, yeah right. Oh you sure you don't want me to take this out? Okay, give me a second. Let's fix this up. How's that? Are we back? That's better. Hey. You're having a mare of a preseason, Jack. What you don't understand is that's the third time I've lost internet so far in this broadcast. So you didn't even realize the first don't two even. times, which is don't a, even. a very, yeah, I'm glad. Um, look, uh, thank you very much for uh, for getting us through that little end bit there, Sammy. And um, guys, it's been great to be back. I'm sure you've properly wrapped this up and I'm just repeating what you're saying anyway. But um, it is really good to be back talking about Fulham. Um, my wife walked in earlier and said, uh, when's, when's Fulham back again? I said, oh, we're already back. Preseason started last week. She said, what? They're only gone for two months. So we got 10 months of this shit. 
said, yep, <laughs> settle in, baby. Paris said I a pretty similar that. thing to me I as well. She, she, I was I was like, oh, yeah, I'm potting tonight. She's like, oh, that hasn't happened in ages. Oh, yeah, good. Not in, like, not in like an annoyed or like stressed way, just kind of like, oh, yeah, that's a thing that happens. Anyway, yeah, Jack, I, send I, us I, out. I didn't get that version of it, but yeah. <laughs> Guys, thank you very much for joining us. And thanks to everyone on the live stream who's contributed. Sammy, I'm sure you said thank you anyway, but um, it's been really enjoyable getting back into it and chatting with Fred, Steve, Calm. Um, who else did we have join us as well? Will, right at the very I start. I wrapped this up so nicely, and now you're just taking my wrap-up away from me. I'll, I'll edit all of my bit out. Also, Add Andrew to that as well. And Andrew, yeah, thank you guys very much for joining us. And I will properly wrap it up now because I keep talking. So thank you again. Until next time, come on, you whites. Bye.